Hello there and welcome to season two of the MedTime Stories podcast. My name is Ashwin Sharma. I'm Tom Thorne. And we're both final year medical students at the University of Birmingham. This podcast is about our life at medical school, what we get up to in and around the edges and what we're looking forward to about our future careers. Whatever platform you're listening to us on, please subscribe and leave us a rating. So today we're back talking about a uh, a very current topic and a topic which you may have seen in the news even today, which we'll come on to at a later point, which is the topic of the strikes. And that's the junior doctor industrial action, to give it its full name. Mm. Um, And we have been looking at doing an episode on this for the the past couple of weeks and then suddenly the SJT results dropped suddenly and we decided we need to get an episode. I know we need to get an episode out on that. And so... Yeah, now we've decided to take a bit of time to do a short episode on the strikes directed at people, particularly who are medical students who maybe mm. want to learn a bit more about the strikes and actually the true reasons behind their happening, um, which is not just about pay restoration, as we'll come on to in a minute, um, but about a number of other things and about how they can support the strikes if they want to. Yeah, so I mean, I guess there's there's news coming out every day on this, and we're recording this on the 2nd of March, so um, yeah. we're only collating information from different sources up until this time period. Um, and I guess from this episode, what we're hoping to do is, because there's lots of information on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on different websites, we're just hoping to collate everything, uh, provide a picture of what's going on uh, to in terms of the doctor strikes, in terms of how this affects medical students, um, and just so you can get everything in this one episode is what we hope and if we miss anything out at the end of it please do get in touch and let us know yeah and please do we we try to make this as Ashwin said as accurate as we can um we are not the bma or the bbc uh, or kind of uh, a new source which has access to loads and loads of fact checkers we've tried to choose the most reputable sources to get our information from but we apologise if there are any slight inaccuracies in here and we'd really appreciate it if people do reach out and correct us on those because we'd rather make this as accurate and as useful and informative for you guys as possible. Hmm. So I've kind of, talking about the strikes, uh, I know it sounds a bit boring, but it's given me a bit of a structure to think about everything about the strikes because it seems like such a complex topic. I've divided it into a bit of a who, uh, what slash why, a when, a where and a how. Oh my God. So, (laughs) like, who's striking? So, first of all, do you know who's striking? Junior doctors. Yeah, so you say junior doctors, but what do you actually mean by that? So this is where where there's a lot of kind of uncertainty and people don't fully understand what a junior doctor is. So a junior doctor is essentially uh, anyone. People always go, it's anyone who's not a consultant, but I believe the SAS doctors, so that's like associate specialist doctors, mm. uh, employed on a slightly different contract to junior doctors. And so actually it's not fully, um, it's not including them. So a junior doctor is essentially anyone from FY1 all the way up to ST8. So FY1 being foundation year one and ST8 being specialist trainee eight. So those are kind of your ranges um, for junior doctors. And importantly as well from the advice that i've seen it includes not only people who are in specialist training pathways or any form of training pathway but also people who are not in training as well who are still junior doctors because they're still employed on a junior doctor contract Mm. so some people have been questioning whether they can strike or not uh because they are uh, not on a, a training contract and so they're kind of concerned about that interesting yeah so actually it was balloted by uh, BMA members. So I'm sure you've seen the kind of uh, orange pay restoration envelopes mm. going around to everyone. And so uh, almost 40,000 people voted uh, 
and that was about 77% of those eligible to vote and 98% of those who voted supported strike action with very few people voting against or spoiling their ballots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I've got the dates. It's on the 9th of January, the ballot opened asking junior doctors if they're willing to take industrial action. Then I think on the 20th of February, um, junior doctors got an email and I've just got uh, the email here um, from Ollie Burton. He he screenshotted it and put in his YouTube video um, basically saying um, a huge well done to everyone who's returned your ballots. And they gave all the stats and stats over there. So like you said, 77.5% turnout, uh, 47,600 eligible 36,955 votes cast, 98% said yes, 1.94% said no, and 21 uh, people spoiled uh, their ballot, basically. So they're just the figures from it. Okay, so that kind of answers are who's striking and how we reached the stage of our strikes in the first place. So if we now think about our kind of what uh, uh, the doctor's striking for or kind of a why a doctor's striking... Do you know why they're striking? I mean, I don't... What you told me, literally just before we started recording, is mm. we were like, do you realise it's not just because of pay restoration? I was like, no, I don't realise that. So you listed off three reasons. So so one is for pay restoration. Yeah, so do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, over the last sort of, I don't know how many years, but, except, but inflation has risen and doctors pay... The government like to say that the doctor's pay has risen by 3%, but 3% is not in line with inflation. So it's not the real pay that's increased. Real pay has actually gone down by, I think it's around 26% also. Yeah, um, so that's a figure that's commonly quoted by the BMA. Um, and this is not me disagreeing with the BMA. Depending on which metrics you use, mm. you can end up at slightly different figures. Fine. But essentially, doctors are arguing that even though pay may have gone up in the actual number, the, the amount of money that doctors are earning in terms of real pain, there's been a, a pay cut in terms of using the BMA figures of about 26%. Yeah. And so the first reason why doctors want to strike is to restore their pay. They're not working. I don't know if it's a, a method uh, of kind of making the, uh, making the reason why doctors are striking more palatable to the general public um, or it's for some other reason. Um, but the idea behind a pay restoration, I think, really um, helps to provide the public with understanding that doctors aren't asking actually for a pay increase. They're asking for their pay to be restored to the, to the level that would be in line with uh, earnings in 2008, 2009 in terms mm. of real term. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's reason number one. Do you have any understanding? I, I'm not trying to. Uh, call you out here and say that you don't know but do you know what the any of the other two reasons are i didn't actually okay so yeah so i think the the thing that people are most talking about is about pay restoration Mm. because it seems like the biggest thing yeah okay and it's definitely the the most current thing uh that kind of the strikes are the strikes are bringing to light you're all the placards you'll see will be about restoring pay um, but actually, on doing a bit of research, uh, and it's qu- it's quite easily findable on on the BMA and on other websites, that the uh, aim number two of the strike is to uh, prevent uh, declines in pay for junior doctors from happening again against the cost of living. Mm. So essentially, to agree on a mechanism whereby um, whereby doctors pay increases in line with inflation or increases above inflation is there any clarity on the mechanism that they're talking about have they proposed a mechanism so i couldn't find a mechanism when i was having a look through 
um but the mechanism is is a way i guess it's a bit like the pensions triple lock or something a, a similar mechanism might be proposed or something depending on which uh, index for inflation is used but um the triple lock on pensions is looks at uh, inflation it looks at average wage increases and it looks at just 2.5 percent as a flat rate and then whichever is highest the pension will increase by uh, every single year and though the triple lock has come into question at points it's still currently standing and so what that means is that uh, those those who are pensioners are always protected from increases in cost of living and so uh, we could kind of understand i'm not a member of the pma council or anything like that but possibly a similar mechanism might be proposed by the bma council fine would be my kind of guess makes sense and so do you know what reason number three is no so one's pay restoration yep second one is to agree on a mechanism to prevent uh any fall in wages against the cost of living and inflation what is number three so number three if i'm looking and reading about it's to reform the ddrb which is the doctors and dentists review body so that pay increases can be recommended independently and fairly to safeguard the recruitment and retention of junior doctors and i think this is a big thing and i I think it's it's now coming to light more in that often it's a politicized decision in terms of um if we increase medical school places it looks like we create more doctors Mm. and this seems to be like a a common thing the more medical school places the more doctors in in principle that's a great it's a great theory isn't it if you create more create more spaces you graduate more doctors every year but that's quite simply a number and i've seen it equated to uh, in a number of different ways particularly the idea of having a bucket with a hole in the bottom Mm. and filling that with um filling that with water if you've got a bucket and you're filling it with water let's say and you open the tap a bit more, that's equivalent to adding more junior doctors in. So graduating more doctors. Hmm. You've still got a bucket with a hole in it. Hmm. And year on year on year, those holes often might get bigger, which yeah. means that more it's equivalent to more people leaving the workforce. Um, and so there's, a, there's an idea behind that actually by restoring pay and working on that DDRB and helping with that mechanism, that you can retain doctors rather than just graduating more uh, so that they graduate and they stay in the healthcare system for a couple of years and then just leave. You actually keep doctors in that healthcare system long term rather than moving over to other countries, particularly kind of uh, uh, Commonwealth countries like Australia and Canada, where it's often relatively easier to work for mm. junior doctors who have graduated from a UK medical school. Yeah, and I guess from your analogy at the moment, the focus hasn't been on trying to plug that hole in the bucket. The, the, the focus is in trying to like open the tap and add more water. And retention is as important as uh, creating new spaces because then otherwise you you run into other problems like creating bottlenecks when it comes to specialty places and and everything like that and we're all, we're already seeing that even with the first jobs that people have which is their foundation jobs yeah because if we look last year 800 people were on a reserve list which to me indicates that they, they didn't there weren't provisionally enough places for all of the people who applied for foundation training in the uk uh, to undertake their foundation training there and those places were eventually found and everyone did receive a job in the end mm. but to me that indicates already a bottleneck occurring as soon as people graduate but often then it looks great because compared to last year there may be a 25 percent more doctors being graduated on a year but if those doctors aren't getting jobs or they're not not keeping a job because they're feeling burnt out they're not being paid enough they're having to uh to work unsociable hours for less remuneration then 
you can understand why people leave. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess pay restoration is a big part of the retention, but I think it's probably important to highlight that it, it isn't just pay restoration. Yeah. That is for the retention of junior doctors. A lot of junior doctors in their F3 year will tend to go Australia, New Zealand are quite popular destinations. Mm. And I, th- I guess it's the pay is a big part, but also the working conditions. So obviously we're not talking yeah. about as much um, in terms of here. I completely agree. Yeah, but I think that pay uh, is a, a good start in order yeah, to yeah. kind of retaining doctors. Uh, so if we move on to thinking about when, so do you know when the strike's happening? Is it the 13th to the 15th of March? It is the 13th to the 15th of March. So how does that actually work? Do you know how it works? In terms of? In terms of, we say the 13th to the 15th of mm-hmm. March, mm-hmm. but what does that actually mean in terms of junior doctor cover? Are you aware? Uh, I'm not aware in terms of cover. What I've, what I've been seeing on Twitter is consultants being putting themselves out and saying that we're covering junior night shifts and, and whatever, but I'm not actually sure about the practicalities of it. So essentially, it's a 72-hour walkout of all junior doctors in England, okay? Mm. Which means that from uh, 7 in the morning on the mm. 13th, so not affecting people who are, have a night shift from the 12th to the 13th is the argument. Yep. Uh, from the 13th, uh, from 7am to midnight on the 13th, from midnight to midnight on the 14th, and then on the 15th up until 7am on the 16th. Yeah, so it's a yeah. full 72 hours. Yeah. So actually it's, it's affecting the very start of the 16th as well, but it's not affecting the start of the 13th. It essentially has been planned so that uh, it goes over onto the 16th, and that means that people who are meant to be on night shifts on the evening of the 15th shouldn't don't go to their night shift on the evening of the 15th yeah and so uh if we think about our where it's happening all over england and so which is also something i didn't know yeah so where did you think it was all over the uk so it's actually not so based on how doctors how doctors are looking at campaigning um they're all paid by slightly slightly different entities yeah so because healthcare is a devolved matter i believe this is the reason because healthcare is devolved um, that those who work in Wales and those who work in Scotland are paid in a different matter. It's paid in a different manner, and so because of that, they actually uh, they strike in a different manner, or they they can't strike with the um, junior doctors in England because it hasn't been balloted in the same way. So um, there's actually campaigns ongoing on the BMA for pay restoration both in Wales and Scotland. Yeah. So I'd recommend reading up on those. And they're easy to find. They're right next to the Pay Restoration in England page that they've got going. Yeah, just, just new navigating the pages right now. There's so there's so much information, actually, in regards to England, Scotland, Wales, and how you mm. can prepare for the strikes. And I guess targeting, targeting at the doctors as well. This really does have quite extensive information. It's quite digestible, easily digestible as well, the information. It's it's quite easily accessible. So anyone who wants more information after we've um, after this episode, you can go on the BMA website and check it out for yourself. We'll probably put it in the link in, in the podcast description as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good plan. So, as we said, we've covered our who, we've covered our what slash why are doctors striking, we've covered our when's our striking, where's our strike happening. Can I can I just add something onto the why mm. and ask and ask you a question? What do you think, or what have they said is the hope that they want to get out from this strike? I mean, doctors want to reach pay restoration, yeah. and <clears throat> I think it's important that it's it, or it's interesting that you phrase it to me like that. In that, I've just read an article which has come out uh, earlier on this afternoon, and I was reading it as it was coming out. Uh, was that um, the strike is now set to go ahead 
after having a meeting with the government. So the uh, the BMA representatives uh, met with uh, the health secretary, which is Stephen Barclay, and he was kind of uh, BMA representatives have said that he was kind of using a facade and stalling the strikes, yeah. and that's uh, a direct quote taken from the BBC. So some uh, other healthcare um, kind of unions have been invited to kind of have formal pay talks and we know that the nurses are meant to have kind of got involved in yeah, a formal pay yeah. talk and so that's why some of the nurses strikes were called off i remember those happening uh before christmas but actually it's now the the bma uh, and the bma representatives are confirming that the strike will go ahead yeah and so it's when we're thinking about it the 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 government have actually argued that um what has to be balanced is obviously the uh, well-being of healthcare professionals. So in that case, we can conclude that that means doctors and stuff, but also with um, uh, balancing balancing the books in terms of uh, making sure that we're not fueling inflation. And so uh, the government's arguing that if doctors get the pay rise that they're, they're asking for here, that it could fuel inflation. So what are they, what are they happy with? What increase are they happy with, if any? Well, I mean, these are all kept as kind of confidential matters, aren't they? We can't mm. see exact percentages that are being offered because I, I don't think because they haven't, oh, they haven't entered any formal kind of um, uh, discussion over pay. Um, but the Treasury has said that an increase greater than five percent would be unaffordable mm. and could fuel, inf- fuel inflation. Yep. But actually, um, in contrast to that, what's happening with inflation right now? This is fall. Yeah, and so Rishi Sunak has made this one of his five promises to half inflation. Yeah. So if inflation's falling, does that not necessarily... I mean, I'm posing it as a hypothetical, yeah. but does that not uh, give greater grounds to strike for full pay, pay restoration if yeah. inflation's going to be falling anyway? Yeah, and I guess it's probably... It would be a dream scenario for pay restoration to be received after just this strike but what i think the strike is important to do it's it's crucial to actually bring people uh bring parties together talking and start negotiating and i guess also send a message out to the public because uh i don't think the public um i don't i, I don't want to put a number on it really understand how much doctors are paid i think there is still a general perception that doctors are rich and this and that um yeah and so i guess what this strike is doing is also it's putting this out into the public it's educating the public in terms of how much we're paid or how much we're paid how much junior doctors are paid um how this pay is eroded uh, in terms in real terms over the years and so it, it creates that uh, bond as well i think with the public and as well as opening a dialogue with those um, important beings who are ultimately be responsible for potential pay restoration. And I think uh, also as well, there's been, um, just just based on the way that it's all been going with strikes and everything, there's, um, as Ashwin was saying, uh, poor understanding about doctors' general pay, but also about how doctors are classified. So talking about what a junior doctor actually means, often uh, people believe um, just based on the phrase junior doctor, that that's doctors who are uh, kind of in the first few years of graduating med school. And actually this can include people who are who are over 40, who have taken time out of training or uh, they've done uh, further qualifications like a PhD and they might have had a family and taken time out for that. And people who are over 40 who are reaching the end of their registrar years and things like this. So it's not just people who are, say, uh, 24 25 yeah. who are starting out on their journey and in their foundation years but yes like we said 
the uh, the patient doctor's vote is quite useful in pr- providing that social media presence for uh, behind pay restoration yeah. and in supporting the doctor's strike Very for good pay restoration. As well. Yeah, good infra- infographics and easily digestible in yeah. terms of understanding the reasons behind strikes. Hmm. So I guess that's that, that answers my question more in terms of the why. Um, so what's next on your list? So what's next on my, my list actually that briefly mentioned is apparently consultants are now also looking to strike. So is this something that you've Fine. seen? Fine, no, I did not know that. So I've seen murmurings that consultants were beginning to kind of think about discussions and ballots for striking at some point later in the year. Fine. We don't know how kind of concrete these are, but I, I was I saw I saw brief murmurings about this. Along but, similar lines or <clears throat> Yes, yes, yeah. along similar lines. But actually, a point I wanted to get on to talk about, particularly with our audience being mainly medical students, is talking about kind of guidance, medical student guidance, yeah. which has been issued mm. by the BMA about uh, what to do when the strikes are occurring. Mm. Because I think a lot of people are quite confused um, about what they should do. So I think first and foremost, an important thing to note is that as a medical student, you didn't vote to take part in industrial action. So you can't yourself take part in industrial yeah, action, yeah. which makes sense because you can't withhold your services when you're not a junior doctor, yeah, yeah. if you haven't graduated yet as yeah. a junior doctor. And I can understand how for, for a lot of people uh, that that is really, really difficult when it's, uh, particularly we've had discussions, haven't we, in the house over it's a job that we're going to be in in six months time. Mm. And it feels like, it's annoying, particularly like, you know, when people give uh, 16-year-olds the vote and you lower that age category, yeah, even, yeah. it feels like almost as a final year med student, it's just like, oh, you wish you had that vote because yeah. it will be affecting you in such a short period of time. But we're not currently working. We don't qualify to strike. And so we can't strike. We mm. can't withhold our services because mm. we don't have services to kind of really right, withhold. Right. And also because of that, you can't join an official picket. Yeah. So you can't join what is the picket line outside of a hospital mm. and also importantly you the bma have produced guidance and saying you can't be asked to act as a junior doctor yeah, on the day yeah, of the strikes yeah, yeah, so yeah, i think yeah. it's really important that yeah. people aren't acting outside of their competencies and uh creating an environment which could potentially be unsafe so medical students shouldn't be acting outside of their competencies and working at the level of a junior doctor i guess some guidance has been given from some universities saying are telling medical students that they have the clinical placements on those days off i mm. believe uh, whereas other universities have, have said that you can go ahead to normal clinical placements but once again do not act outside of your normal competency because there will be staff shortages but once again if you're asked to do something you shouldn't be doing and i guess every medical student know what they should and shouldn't be doing then that is not something you should be taking up just because there's um, a lack of staffing on the ward or something. Yeah, and in the same vein of thought, this has even been published for, guidance has been published for medical students in their final year, saying that if you are on something like an assistantship, which often you have in your final years, and we've spoken about a bit uh, in previous episodes, you shouldn't be required to work extra shifts on your assistantship, essentially saying a similar kind of thing. You shouldn't be, you're there to learn, you're not there to work. Mm. You're not there to make up extra hours when the manpower is lacking. What you can do, uh, and the BMA have released guidance on this, is visit a picket line to show your support. So provide them with kind of drinks and biscuits and stuff and chat to people on the picket line or join a demonstration. So those are things that you can do as a medical student, but you can't join that official picket line. And I believe that actually official pickets are only meant to be six people outside of a 
um, outside of a hospital, and this is guidance that I've been taking from Doctors Vote, which is essentially the social media side of yeah, yeah. the BMA Junior Doctors Committee. But yeah, those are a few bits of guidance that I have for medical students. I think if you have any questions, it's really worth directing them at um, or directing them towards Doctors Vote, who have uh, produced a lot of infographics about what medical students and junior doctors can and can't do. So particularly saying that if you're a junior doctor, what you can't do is is strike when you're meant to be working and then pick up a locum shift. Well, so I, was, I was coming on to that, actually. Yeah. So, so what do you think about medical students being asked to do things, um, not just outside their competency, but on the ward? And then um, sort of we talked about the locum rate card that was put out by the BMA mm. and now sort of really high uh, locum shifts being offered. How much do you think the combination of those undermine the whole purpose and the uh, the impact of the strike? I think I think they do, but I th- I think that trusts are trying to work through them as mitigation strategies in order to minimise the impact of the strike. And let's let's think about strikes in general. So if we think about the rail strikes, they're designed to cause disruption. They're yeah. designed to highlight an issue, and healthcare strikes are designed to do the same thing they're designed to kind of maintain a safe level but also to cause disruption the um doctors vote have spoken about how when there is um when there's strikes uh, often doctors have to prioritize obviously emergency care and care which is absolutely necessary and so a big money earner for a lot of trusts is is, is elective care mm. and things like elective surgery and those things have to be postponed and so the whole argument is that with those being postponed, it puts pressure on trust to yep, yep. to then um, kind of lobby the government to ask for a pay increase to make sure that doctors come back. Yeah, and so yeah. it's a kind of a bit of an indirect approach, but also if it's it's a direct approach in that if there's, if there's a strike going on, it brings publicity. Uh, to the issue and it gets more people talking about the issue and yeah. how to resolve the issue yeah the oh, well, i guess because we know how important junior doctors are in, in the running of a hospital mm. so if consultants uh, are, are doing jobs that juniors are doing they, they're not spending time doing their own jobs whether that is theaters whether it's clinics yeah um whether it's whatever they're doing and i think the important thing you said there was that it's it's disruptive because it, it's aiming to create change and, and able to br- open dialogue but it's safe in the fact that it's disappointing that it's had to come to this stage that that junior doctors are striking for 72 hours because um no one wants to cause harm to any 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 patient right and so that's that's the thing i think disruptive but safe and we've seen how in a wider on a wider scale how covid disrupted everything creating backlogs Mm. um and just for three days if consultants aren't spent doing i don't know clinics or theaters on the ward it it will push things back but it creates a backlog it does and but i think the thing to emphasize is that no junior doctor has wanted it to get to this stage yeah. but it, they felt that they've been left with no option but in order to just in order to create dialogue and try and get this pay restoration this is what it's had to come to junior doctors aren't doing this i think important to highlight to in order to kind of spite patients or anything like that yeah, that is, yeah, that is yeah. not why strikes are occurring uh, so the strikes are occurring to highlight the issue of um a significant uh, real terms uh, pay decrease to junior doctors mm. and how that needs to be restored along with the other issues that I mentioned about how to prevent pay falling below inflation again and about re- reforming of the DDRB as the doctors and dentists review body. I guess another thing I want to say, I don't know if you've got any more points, um, is that the 
representatives through the media who've been trying to put out the message mm. and uh, I think they've been doing a great job because whenever the media smells something they can twist it in some way I read an article the other day saying junior doctors earning about 40k I don't know if you saw that so whatever chance they have um some aspects of media will try and twist this and because they have agendas and whatnot so I think the messaging that's been put out by the trained reps and i've been seeing on twitter actually a lot of news outlets have been messaging doctors trying to get them to come onto news channels uh, and put across their views um with the strikes and i think quite sensibly um nearly everyone has, has sort of said direct this to bma because we have trained representatives who can who are trained to handle the media and can put out the message uh, in a way whilst trying to tackle um the media who who probably have an underlying agenda yeah and i think that that's that's the best thing is that going through the 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 kind of uh, junior doctors aspect of the bma remaining strong in going through those trained representatives putting across a united message and that it's good that there aren't uh many doctors if any who are offering their services to go on media who are untrained and uh, kind of offering their own points on it and that people are keeping united front and i think that it's uh, divided we beg, united we bargain type picture is what they're I saying. Like that. Well, that's what that's a phrase that's been used a bit, which I think is good. Um, but yeah, I mean that's as many as many points as I had. I didn't want it to be too long, but those are the kind of the main points that I had to kind of educate both myself and hopefully anyone listening about the strike. I mean, I've learned a lot just in this in this half an hour. I mean, I I have researching for. Um, the episode today particularly about the three reasons why not just about pay restoration mm. which has been interesting so uh thank you very much for listening we'd appreciate any comments get in touch with us on our email stories.medtime at gmail.com or uh message us on instagram at medtime stories podcast if you've got any questions or anything you'd like to highlight thank you very much for listening we'll speak soon Thank you very much for listening. Please leave us a like, give us a rating and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll speak soon.